Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today from the Gazette, my colleague in the Coors Field Press Box, Mr. Luke Zalman. What's going on today, Luke? You know, happy to be here. It's it's uh it's starting to not feel like baseball season though. The further we get into this cold weather, I think the further removed from baseball it starts to feel. Very true. Very true. I'm glad that you are here with us today and not in Las Vegas. We've got a lot of news to discuss today. We'll talk about some of the new additions on the the Rockies 40-man roster, uh, Shohei Otani, his veil of secrecy about his free agency. Yeah, we know he's a free agent, but there are some secrets uh that he wants to keep many other things, but the news of the minute right now is the Oakland Athletics have been approved. Owners voted today in Arlington to allow Oakland to go to Las Vegas uh, and not have to pay a $300 million relocation fee. The question is, will they actually be the Las Vegas or not? I don't know. Luke, what are your thoughts on this? Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause obviously when you get owner approval, that's, that's a big step, but the funding is still, and has been the thing for Oakland. It's the reason they started this move in the first place was cause they couldn't get a stadium rebuilt in California. They couldn't get all those things, you know, sorted out. And now they actually have a teacher's union in Vegas, kind of trying to, trying to block them a little bit. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they get it through. I, Knowing capitalism like I do, I think it's it's still going to happen just because financially it's going to help a lot of people. Not the people that probably should be helped, but it will help a lot of people. And so that to me says that it, it's going to get done because that's just how that's how it works. That's how it works when money matters this much. Yeah, jump in the chat on the DNVR Sports channel on YouTube. Evan already saying hello from South Carolina. We've got some news from your neck of the woods here in just a second. And maybe it's actually news about Denver. Just just sit tight. We'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah, the uh, the, the money is, is kind of the big thing is that the only thing that was really come out of, of today's meeting from the owners is just that they're going to allow for for mm-hmm. the A's to move to Las Vegas. Doesn't mean they have a stadium. They, they don't have any place to play after 2024. After this season, the, the lease is up on Oakland Coliseum. So whether they stay in Oakland or they do move to Las Vegas, where are they going to play in 2025 through 2027? They could maybe play some of their games at Oakland Coliseum. I don't think there's a ton of concerts being played there uh, and they're not able to, to get in on, on those dates. They could play some games in Sacramento. There's a AAA facility there. There's a AAA facility in Las Vegas where the uh, aviators play. Uh, there's also a ballpark down in Albuquerque that perhaps uh, pack mm-hmm. things out. Look, I, I'm not going to s- speculate too many things, but I, I have spoken with someone down in Albuquerque who floated that idea. Hey, A's to to Albuquerque for a little while? I, I don't think that'll happen, but nevertheless, uh, it's going to be interesting. This this saga might not be over uh, anytime soon, really. Well, and I'll give, I'll give Albuquerque credit. I think that's kind of, a, uh, I guess, a, a statement about the quality of that stadium. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium. It's a beautiful facility. And honestly, going from the Coliseum to Isotopes Park would probably be an upgrade for the players, um, probably for the fans too. So I, it's it's not in Oakland necessarily, but I think as far as facilities go, that's actually probably an upgrade over where they are right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 2028 would be the first point in which, again, after uh, putting you know teachers before ballplayers, uh, that, that initiative that they've got, 
um, schools before ballpark. What what is the actual name that they're that they're working with? I you know what's funny is I I did a bunch of research on it. It didn't actually find the name of it, but I I I understand where they're coming from. Right, they're trying to block certain payments from being given from Nevada, obviously, to help with the stadium. And you know it's a it's a decent chunk of money. And and what's funny is now there's Oakland fans that are banding together to fundraise for that organization to help block the so it's it's this weird teachers meets oakland a's fans meets protest of stadium movement it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy to see how that has all come together in in the efforts to block all of this but after we saw what they did during the season i'm i'm not surprised that they were able to organize something where they're you know able to benefit a teachers union in their fight schools over stadiums that's what it's called um yeah and you're right yeah it's catchy it's good, right? It's got the alliteration mm-hmm. to it. Like it's, it's definitely got some, uh, some mustard there on it. And yeah, the fans doing a good job with the, the sell the team shirts, kind of a uh, grassroots kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, organization to say like, hey, you know, let let's keep the team here in the town. If if the owner John Fisher doesn't want to keep the team, in fact, Jeff Passan uh, tweeting out that the owner said, this this quote is kind of crazy, kind of yeah. crazy. Quote. Mm-hmm. Today is an incredible day for Oakland. Oh, excuse me. Let's start again. Today is an incredibly difficult day for Oakland A's fans. It's a great day for Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I, how do you, how, how, Luke, how? That's why. Well, it's, <laughs> and, and it's, it's kind of what Las Vegas is becoming, right? Like they're about to have this F1 event here and all the reports coming out of Vegas are the tickets were overpriced. The hotels are overpriced. The facilities aren't built correctly. It's, Everything that was supposed to come together apparently for the F1 hasn't. And so it's not that surprising that they're now struggling with yet another thing and they'll probably struggle with another thing because as much as they want all these teams, as much as they want all this entertainment, there has to be plans put in place, infrastructure in place. It's not as simple as, hey, we'll just bring them here. So it's it, all of these things have gone exactly how I think you would expect Las Vegas and uh, planning to go. It's the two things are not normally put together in the same sentence. As you said, the fans uh, in Oakland really, you know, being a part of this, even, you know, asking the owner, please, and kind of, you know, really trying to, you know, appeal to him and and, and keep the team mm-hmm. in some capacity. Again, the deal in Howard Terminal uh, has has fallen through, but I think there is still a chance that they they could stay. It's becoming less and less with with each day, mm-hmm. obviously. But those those fans, you know, they you we were, I was talking with super producer Tiff here about this and uh, and and some of the images that she was looking for of of right. getting fans, you know, with the sell the team shirts. And one of your comments, Tiff, right, was basically like. Hey, there, there's nobody at these games, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll have to watch. Um, I was trying to find lots of pictures of the stadium, and it looks like they. It was just like completely empty ghost town ghost town yeah but it could have been like you know pr pictures course field does that sometimes you know when they're off hours like there's some you could but, find those sections you yeah know, but I, I was like i mean this stadium is gorgeous but these pictures are abysmal like and, oh, there's there's nobody in them and and and, I, and that's why i'm bringing this up because i'm glad you pointed out it reminded me like oh yeah Part of the whole the whole concept of saying, "Hey, we need a brand new stadium, and we might need to move and, and relocate to another city." 
is because look, the, the fans aren't supporting the team, but the owner and, and the front office, you know, their, their plan allegedly at least was very clearly to put together, you know, these hundred lost teams that had no right to compete, uh, no, no recognizable names. There was someone uh, from media that went around the ballpark to try to find a player who was still active on the team, like a fan wearing a Jersey. And so part of the whole process of, uh, you know, getting owners to approve this move to Las Vegas and saying that we have a need was basically making the team so bad so that no one would come to the games and they could point to the fans as being the fault. Well, and I, I, th I think it's a little tough too, cause it's, it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation in my mind, because yes, I, I, I am totally on board with the ACE fans that have stayed away the last couple of years. I yeah. think, and what's funny, what's funny is they actually came into Denver and beat the Rockies in a three game series, but that was one of the worst baseball rosters I've ever seen put together by a major league team. I mean, you're talking about a group of players that even the most avid baseball fans would probably maybe know half, if that. I mean, it was it was an insane. But then you also look at they've been in the bottom half of AL attendance every year since 2003. So at the same time, you start to look at it and you think, okay, so did they start to do all these things because the attendance was so low, or did the attendance start to drop because? kind of the baseball operations were so bad there for a second. And yeah, there were flashes where you had Donaldson, you had Cespedes, you had Matchett, you had some of these players that people would probably come to the ballpark for, but then you traded them and right. the fans, you know, obviously didn't come back to see the, the, I guess, great packages. I mean, in quotes that they were able to get for those players, they were almost unanimously horrible, but it's, it's, it's so tough. Cause you start to think it's like, since 2003, that's two decades of poor attendance. But then you look at the ballpark and you're like, well, why would it, as much as people say, well, why do people go to Coors when the team is bad? Coors is one of the most beautiful stadiums in the league. And then you look at Oakland and it's basically the antithesis of everything that Coors Field is. And so it's, it's just so weird because I think fans have a good argument. I think, I think Fisher, as much as it's easy to hate him, has a somewhat viable argument for wanting to move and the fact that they couldn't get a new one. I mean, whether the his efforts, is awful. Yeah, whether his efforts to get one were as like whether he was pushing as hard as he is now to do Vegas, I mean, we'll never really know what his passion level for each place was. But I mean, there is an argument for both sides of how can I sustain a high a high money baseball team if no one comes or why would I come if there's no high money baseball team? I mean, the two things just go directly against each other and it's created this really toxic mixture for that, for that organization. Yeah. It's, it's really bad to your point talking about A's and Rockies. I think it was a Friday night. I tweeted out the two worst teams in each league, Rockies and A's have drawn 37,000 plus at Coors field. Meanwhile, the Miami Marlins, a fellow 1993 expansion club are tied for the final wild card spot in the National League and only drew just under 16,000 that night. Yep. So that that kind of underlines absolutely everything with uh, the differences between the Oakland Coliseum and uh, and Coors Field. And then the uh, the next game on uh, on Saturday night, 45,000 to see. 200 mm -hmm. lost teams play. So yeah, that stadium is bad. They, they need something new. You know, one of the issues is 
San Jose is is a great viable market, and yet that's uh, San Francisco territory, so they can't move in there and 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 get that spot. Uh, we're we're seeing in the chat here for this isn't real. Hey, how about the Colorado Springs Athletics? You joke and you say, all right, well, you know that's a very large market. It had a Triple A team for quite some time. You know, had had some decent attendance. They also had, I think, some stadium issues, uh, but. If we're, if we're talking literally, uh, that's an impossibility for a team to move to Colorado Springs because uh, of how close they are to Denver. That, that That's part mm-hmm. of the Rockies market. Uh, they they could uh, somehow look the other way if they were paid off. We saw kind of what happened with uh, the Orioles when uh, the Washington Nationals came into town, mm-hmm. moving from from Montreal. So um, all of those things, you know, are it, it's, it's a lot of logistics, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think... We're still digging through these logistics. You know, are the A's going to get funding in Las Vegas? Is Oakland going to realize, hey, we can't lose out on this and find a way to to get that kind of funding? Still so many question marks up in the air. And I don't think it's officially a done deal yet that they are moving to Las Vegas. No, and I think for the league's sake, in my and this is just my opinion, I mean, everyone's going to have their own. I think for the league's sake, Oakland finding a way to get a new stadium in Oakland and then them making Vegas and maybe whether it be Nashville, whether they go back to Montreal, whether they, you know, whatever they decide, I think expanding and adding two more franchises while also having Oakland build a new stadium. I think that's best case scenario just for everyone involved, whether that's, I think that's probably one of the least likely outcomes of all of this, but I think it just my opinion in a perfect world. I think that would be best for baseball. Um, But it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, well, does Oakland – if Oakland builds the new stadium, which I'm sure Fisher's thinking about, if I build this new stadium and if we somehow figure this out, how can I know that fans are going to show up? Because I'm still the owner. I'm still the guy that they told to sell the team, but now I kept the team. So maybe that earns him some brownie points. I don't know. I don't know if fans would show up to a new ballpark. It's hard to even say. Yeah, I think it's just a situation in which, all right, you made good in the end, so – you know, some people won't come back, but but there will be fans certainly that do forgive. Even uh, our good friend Burge here pointing out that, you know, once uh, Pac Bell was built right now, Oracle Park in San Francisco, there are probably a lot of Bay Area fans ultimately deciding, I- I'm going to go to this really gorgeous ballpark mm-hmm. here in, in San Francisco rather than, uh, you know, go over and, and, and stay in, in Oakland. San Francisco also had a lot more winning seasons. They got the job done, uh, you know, had some down years as well, but uh, was still able to win those three World Series uh, in, in the early 2010s. And I want to ask you about some of those other uh, expansion sites that could possibly be coming because that's what Manfred said uh, needs to happen first. Oakland needs to get sorted. Tampa needs to get sorted. Tampa looks like they're going to build something there in St. Petersburg, pretty much right where uh, Tropicana Field is located. Say what you will about whether or not that's actually a, a good location uh, to mm-hmm. build a to build a stadium. But I want to talk about those uh, the expansion sites. But first, I got to tell you about the Circa Broncos trip this weekend. Head down to the bar, giving away a bunch of tickets uh, for the final game of the season. Speaking of Las Vegas, going there, uh, it's it's pretty cool. Five free trips for free. Seriously, every hour from four to nine p.m here at the DNVR bar on Saturday, on Sunday, come down to the Broncos tailgate. They're giving away another five trips for free to Las Vegas. You can stay there at Circa Resort and Casino, two tickets to the winter swim uh, and concert, two passes to stadium swim, all kinds of really good things. An annual diehard membership package as well. It's amazing. Amazing. Three stories, 1,500 square feet of wet space. It's absolutely amazing. Head down to the bar 
and win a free Circa Broncos trip. And uh, and diehards, don't forget, start going in now at the dnvrlocker.com because for Black Friday to Cyber Monday, four days only, massive sale. So right now, find out what you want and maybe hang around a little bit for a week. It's okay. Yes, I am telling you to not necessarily buy anything right now because next Friday on Black Friday for four days only, massive, massive sales. If you do come down to the tailgate to win some uh, free tickets and a free trip to uh, Circa Resort and Casino at the tailgate or at the bar, you know we got some bro- uh, Breck Brew, Broncos Country, made with 100% renewable energy, made with Colorado ingredients, those high-wire hops from the North Fork Valley. Absolutely amazing stuff right there. Breck Brew, still Broncos Country, the Breck Brew of the month. Former Dodgers general manager, good friend of mine, Dan Evans, said on Twitter, I kind of floated it out there, this idea of, all right, well, what does the world think? What are the next expansion sites? If Las Vegas is off the table, who's left? Who's going to get a team? Dan Evans does seem to think Portland and Nashville are the top two sites. I would definitely agree with Nashville. I think the second team that they expand to is is a major question mark. We A lot needs to happen until we get to that expansion. I think MLB wants a team in the West. Salt Lake City has been making some noise with uh, with Dale Murphy there uh, and Jeremy Guthrie getting in on board with the Salt Lake City bid. That's incredibly interesting. Seems like a long shot, but you need to have a team. You need to have uh, like a little commission together to really make your bid worthwhile and, and really have MLB believing, you know what? I think baseball can survive uh, in a big market here uh, or rather can sur- uh, survive in a big way in a smaller market and that that kind of remains to be seen. Uh, Nashville is a front runner for you, Luke. And then, who who you got as uh, the second team for MLB expansion coming up? So I love Nashville. I think Nashville is a perfect spot. I think Southern baseball. It's it's mostly college. Don't get me wrong, but college baseball in the South is huge, and baseball in general in the South is a really big deal. I mean, look no further than. Atlanta Braves fans. I mean, you're talking about some of the most dedicated fans in the entire league and they're right near there. So I, I love Nashville as a potential. I think that Montreal makes a lot of sense. I would love to see a second team back in Canada. Um, I just think only having one team, I don't think there's necessarily a problem with only having the Blue Jays there, but I think adding a second and maybe, you know, you'd probably need to finagle the divisions a little bit just to make them completely make sense. I would assume you probably go to four teams, four divisions, maybe. I don't know, something like football, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it would be really cool to add Montreal back to the mix. I'm not crazy about Portland. Um, I I just don't see it as a very good baseball market. Um, I I don't love that. There's been other cities like a like a Orlando's been brought up, adding another team to Florida, something like that, which. I'm not really crazy about anyway because I think the Damn. Marlins and Rays are already two of the least popular teams in the entire league. I don't know why you'd add another. Um, so yeah, I would say if if I had to pick right now, if I had to put you know Manfred's hat on for a second, I would expand to Montreal and I would expand to Nashville. Those would be my two. And from a financial standpoint, it makes sense to move Oakland to Las Vegas, even if I would rather see them stay and then. Nashville, Vegas, like I said, that's my perfect, but then that also leaves you with an uneven number of teams. So that doesn't really work. So it's, it, it doesn't really, I, I love Montreal and I love Nashville. Those are my two. 
Yeah, I think that's why I was so surprised with Oakland possibly moving to Las Vegas because I feel like he took out a big player in the game in Las Vegas. Now, there's not a, a team there. There's not a, you know, again, a commission that has come together to say, hey, we want baseball and Major League Baseball in Las Vegas. Now, granted, all, all you need is just a figurehead to do that and the money, and, and someone's mm. going to jump in and say, yeah, we're, we're cool with that. So they were missing that piece, but I think if you can have Las Vegas as a potential expansion site, that's going to allow you to get mm. that you know, $2.2 billion expansion fee that's kind of been floated out there when the time is right. So uh, if, if you're looking for another Canadian team, I mean, Vancouver, I think would be really interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. Staying on, on that West Coast might be a little too close to Seattle. You could say the same about Portland. So a lot will need to happen. You mentioned Commissioner Manfred here. Uh, also breaking before the show here on Thursday, he announced that Atlanta will host the 2025 All-Star Game. Luke, if you're the commissioner, are you now announcing here on Thursday, November 16th, that, sorry, Denver is now hosting the 2025 All-Star Game? Go ahead. The floor is yours. So it's, yeah, I well, and we laughed about it before the show of, well, is it actually going to be in Atlanta? Because last time in month, and, you know, there, there, were, there were a lot of reasons why that happened. People can argue on either side. It's, I, I'm not going to get into it. It already happened. Doesn't matter. But I do think it's funny that they announced it so quick after. And then you look at it and you think, well, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Do you remember what year the Rockies were originally supposed to host before they got Atlanta switched them? Because if I remember right, they had been prepping to host soon after that, but then it got switched. I don't remember what year it was, though. It, it was right around now. Yeah, nothing was official, but you're right. Okay. It was like... 23, 24, 25. Philly Ooh. was the only one that was kind of locked in place 2026 uh, at the uh, sesquicentennial, you know, anniversary of the United States. Uh, so like, Ooh. you know, there's, there's all kind of those ramifications, but yeah, it was, it was a couple years away. So we would have been in that window now. They, they just advanced it. Yeah. And I, I think it, don't get me wrong. I think Atlanta is going to host an amazing all-star game. I think the entertainment district, the battery, everything that's near it will be awesome for fans. I, I don't know that there's a bad – well, outside of Oakland, I guess. I don't know that there's a ton of bad cities to host it. Um, you know, I think every one of them kind of gets up. I mean, Denver, basically on a whim because they didn't even know right away, they were able to put on awesome festivities without even a ton of prep time. I mean, the, it, when there's that type of money and that type of interest, stuff gets built, stuff gets created. I mean, it's uh, people people care. So if I had to guess, I think Atlanta will – will host in 2025. I don't think another thing's going to happen. And I, I think it's going to go, it's going to go amazing. People are going to really enjoy it. And I think Atlanta is a great city for an event like that. In the chat, Billy saying that, you know, MLB has a product to sell uh, and old stadiums just aren't cutting it. It's, it's one of the reasons why mm -hmm. Coors Field is the third oldest ballpark in the national league. Crazy to think of it yeah. in that capacity. And in uh, MLB standings, I think it's 11th, 10th or 11th. And again, Oakland Coliseum gets out of the way. Uh, that's going to bump up Coors Field when Tropicana Field, built in 1988. No team there, but built in 1988. Coors will further its way up because of, of all of these, these newer stadiums. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens next. You talk about bad places to host an All-Star game. I feel like next year's All-Star game might be one worth skipping. You, you've gone to one in Cleveland. Um, and, and, and Denver, of course, uh, I, I was at the one in Seattle, which was great. Weather was perfect. The weather next year in Arlington for the Rangers hosting the all-star game, oh, not yeah. great. You also saw the, you know, the world series celebration 
in and around the ballpark. There, there's nothing around that ballpark. It's it's an old school stadium district, mm-hmm. and so that's a little lackluster. You're you're probably not going to go to to Dallas to host uh, your events. You know, that's 30 minutes or so away. You're not necessarily going to go to Fort Worth to do those things. So next summer could be. Look, it's the All Star Game, so it'll be great. But uh, I already know right now I'm going to skip that one and uh, keep keep the fingers crossed that I'll be going to Cooperstown next summer for Todd Helton's uh, Hall of Fame induction. So that those are where my priorities are right now. Well, in an aerial view of the – don't get me wrong. The Rangers' new ballpark, I mean, good for them. At least on TV it looks awesome. I've only ever seen the outside of it, never been inside. But, yeah, the outside of it, if you did one of those, you know, Goodyear blimp shots like they do with the football games – it's a whole lot of concrete and asphalt. It's a whole lot of parking lots. Um, you know, the old stadium is nearby. You have right. you have AT&T Stadium nearby. So there's like some stadiums to see. But yeah, as far as as far as uh hosting something in an entertainment district anything like that, that just doesn't exist in that area and I don't know if they're going to maybe like put up stanchions in the parking lots out there or what, but it's going to be really hot. There's not going to be a district to celebrate in. And uh, those are two ingredients that are going to be pretty rough. If they try to host that on concrete or asphalt in that type of weather in Arlington, oh, that's going to be a, that's going to be a doozy for anyone that wants to try to do that. Yes. You might need to have some VIP air conditioning vents uh, or or, or tents. You get some tents set up, just blasting some AC for people to cool off. Um, look, if we're talking about something that's hot, we're talking about Bet365 because they do not, do not do ordinary. They believe every sport should be epic. So see for yourself when you sign up today because you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. And now DNVR custom bets are live. They got some great options there for you to join in on your favorite Denver sports teams. All you do is download the app, deposit $10, claim your $365 in bonus bets. As soon as you place a bet for $1, download Bet365 app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and get your butt down to uh, Cherry Creek or North Denver at any of the Kind Love locations, one of Colorado's oldest dispensaries. They've been doing that thing since 2010, coming up on a 15th anniversary. That's wild for a company that's known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state, they've got some amazing revolutionary products like the Turbo Core, that those turbo joints that are absolutely amazing. Crush it up, put it in a bowl, slide it into a cigarette, into a joint, whatever you got to do. Go to any of their 100 stores around the state where you can find the Turbo Joints and the Kind Love Flower. Again, visit the store at Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR and receive an exclusive discount of 25% off all Kind Love Flower pre-rolls and their Turbo Joint line. Also go to kindlove.com. Code DNVR now works for deliveries as well. Well, the the last bit of baseball that we could really kind of, you know, dig our hands into, Luke, was the Arizona Fall League. The Winter Leagues are still going on. There's a lot of Rockies doing their thing a little bit, working on uh, different things this offseason to improve their game. But the Arizona Fall League did end last week. And the All-AFL team was announced, Benny Montgomery and Sterling Thompson, named to the All-AFL team Wednesday morning. Montgomery, second best OPS among all outfielders in the league. Three homers, 14 RBI, 10 steals in 19 games. And Sterling Thompson, 395 OPS. Didn't hit a homer, but had nine extra base hits and 13 RBI in 21 games. You think we'll see either of these guys at Coors Field next year? 
Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, you've I there's it's so weird because the Rockies just have this really big glut that feels like it's all going to arrive at a similar as far as the offense goes. The pitching is right. is further down the road, but as far as the bats go, I mean, there's this huge group that it's it's starting to become one of those things where you think, well, this player might be able to debut next year, but are they going to have a spot? I mean, is there it? You can't you can't bring a guy up and then sit him on the bench six out of seven days each week. Like you really can't do that. That's not that's not really how baseball works. So it's 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 interesting. I really like Benny Montgomery. I mean, it's he, he seems to be just another one of these outfielders with uh, uh, just just skills in a lot of different places. Same with Sterling Thompson, obviously. Um, so I think either either of them could, but it what makes it tough is you know. Um, it's positionally it's tough because you know as an infielder it's you know that infield's pretty stacked and then the outfield is is there's already a little bit of a log jam there with the guys they already have up so i i a trade i don't know maybe a trade might need to happen eventually maybe something might need to happen we'll see yeah definitely a, a trade needs to happen in fact Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Nolan Jones trade. You talk about the outfield being stacked. Talk about the infield being stacked. It was a pretty good trade for both teams, although obviously you have mm-hmm. to give the Rockies an edge right now. Acquiring Nolan Jones, a guy who finished fourth in the Rookie of the Year award voting, and they gave up a guy who has yet to make his debut. But Juan Brito, a nice second-base shortstop, uh, middle infield type, was the Cleveland Guardians minor league player of the year. So kind of a win-win uh, situation there, but again, the Rockies have uh, have definitely won that trade, and so the outfield, as you said, is is kind of full. The infield is kind of full, and it makes you question if if a trade needs to happen, especially to acquire pitching, which they need to do. Do you think mm-hmm. that Bill Schmidt has uh, a big move up his sleeve this offseason? Maybe maybe he doesn't know what it is yet, but do you think is there's going to be a big one coming? Um. Wh- Obviously, it, defi- it it depends how you define big, right? I mean, it's they're not going to do the we give up half of our top ten farm of our farm system to get a Juan Soto. That's right. not that's not what we're looking at. No. But if Brendan Rodgers isn't in a Rockies uniform next year, I wouldn't be shocked. I'll say, and they also have that outfield logjam that I don't know if they're going to have to deal from it. I mean, you have you just have a lot of good players. I mean, you have Nolan Jones, you have Brenton, you have Charlie Blackman, you have Goodman, you have. All these guys, and it's like, does Sean Bouchard get moved? Does, I mean, Hunter Goodman, I guess, conceivably could be on the move. It really depends what the acquiring team wants because a lot of these guys the Rockies have for trade are either right on the precipice of being an everyday guy or arguably are already an everyday guy. I mean, I think there's a pretty valid argument that you could do worse than starting Sean Bouchard or Hunter Goodman in your outfield. I I don't think that, you know, that that's inconceivable. So it won't be to a bad team, but who wants to give up pitching? I don't know. I don't know what organization is sitting there thinking, you know what, we really need Brendan Rodgers and we're willing to give up the commensurate pitching to make it happen. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that market looks like. I do know that something needs to happen, though, because going into next year, they just they really don't have the pitching to be a viable major league rotation right now. and. It's not going to get fixed by Herman Marquez, who I think in a perfect world maybe is able to make a couple abbreviated starts next year. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything major from him. Senzatella, I'd be shocked if he steps on a mound next year, um, at least in an official Rockies capacity. So 
they don't have a major league rotation and something's going to happen. And I think in your mind, you just think, well, there's a log jam here. There's a deficit here. Can't you fix both of those things at once? But yeah, you have to find a team that's willing to give up pitching that is worth a, a Brendan Rodgers because you may need pitching, but you can't just give up good players for random pitching. At a certain point, the deals do have to be viable. You can't just do it to do it. Yeah, it's true. And, and even Marquez, if he when he if and when he does return, yeah, you hope that'll be on time, on schedule, no setbacks. Mm -hmm. You're you're not getting you know prime. Uh, Hermen Marquez. So as you said, let's, let's talk about some of these free agent pitchers too, because uh, the starting rotation does need a bit of a boost and they're going to have to go the free agent route if they can't find a trade. I think, I think they'll have to, Bill Schmidt will have to have a busier off season than it was last year. It was, it was kind of quiet and two pitchers. I know mm. that uh, I could see in a Rockies uniform. And again, Rockies may have to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to their contracts. First guy up, Kenta Maeda, a guy who, Forgot about him after he left the division, going to the uh, going from the Dodgers to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, but you know, has a has a strong pedigree. Third in the National League in Rookie of the Year award voting in 2016. Was second in the American League his first year with the Twins in 2020. You know, has a sub four ERA, a really high strikeout uh, rate. You know, uh, case per nine, just under ten. A good strikeout to walk ratio and. You know, he uh, the last few years, he hasn't been as consistent with starts. Uh, obviously, a lot of that has to do with having uh, Tommy John surgery and uh, and missing a season. But uh, Kenta Maeda, I mean, don't look at his course field numbers, Luke. Don't don't look at those. Don't hold that against him. Is, is this a guy that you think could really help bolster the Rockies' rotation? What I like, what I like about a Kenta Maeda, and I'm kind of surprised the Rockies, and they have in degrees, but I'm surprised they haven't gone after more guys like a Kenta Maeda, a guy who, and and this is just a very very common thing amongst Asian pitchers is a lot of backwards pitching, a lot of splitter to start the count, a lot of you know stuff like that rather than conventional, and to me, I feel like something like that could work at altitude. I mean, yes, Kenta Maeda. He's probably not going to come in and strike out 13 per nine and be some crazy Spencer Strider that could succeed at cores. Those, those guys, I don't think the Rockies are going to find guys like that. So why not try to find a guy that might be able to keep it on the ground a little bit, can mix hitters up. I, I personally, you, you posed this name and I hadn't really thought of him too much. And then when I looked through it, I thought that may be just the type of guy the Rockies could get to because and I thought this should be a strategy in general. When you're able to bring in pitchers that are no longer trying to earn their subsequent contract, if you right. sign a guy that's 27 to a five-year deal, in some ways he's working for that deal at 32 as well. Whereas if you get a guy that's already in his 30s, you might be able to give him that last contract. And then you might get some guys to say, well, I don't care what my numbers are. This is my last contract. I'm getting paid well. And if I succeed here, it might even... I don't know, it might boost my my career a little bit if I can prove myself here too because it, it's so difficult. So I, I would love to see them start going after some of those guys. Let the young guys be your youth and go after some of these guys that aren't looking for the contract after years because I think those are more attainable guys. And Maeda is going into his age 36 season. So to your point there, exactly. hey, you know, I only got a few more years anyway and if the Rockies are willing to overpay, maybe give me an extra year, maybe give me an extra mil mm -hmm. or two for each season, uh, that could happen. So, you know, that'll be, it'll be a little more expensive. You know, uh, the slider changeup combination we know works fairly well at Coors Field. So again, the question won't necessarily be, will the Rockies sign him? It will be, will Maeda want to come to Coors Field? And if the money's there, 
He will, but uh, mm-hmm. as as I wrote earlier this offseason, uh, since Mike Hampton and Denny Nagel contracts, the Rockies have not spent more than $5 million. That was on Kyle Kendrick for a starting pitcher that came from another organization. So uh, that's going to be really hard to do. Another guy, Mike Clevenger, who's coming off a really mm-hmm. solid season, 377 ERA with the Chicago White Sox last season. 3.3 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference, was fantastic with Cleveland in his age 26 through 28 season. Uh, 296 mm-hmm. ERA in the American League back when that meant something because they were the only league that did have a DH. Padres, you know, really overpay, gave up six players to acquire Clevenger and uh, has obviously had some off the field issues. But uh, I think he's another guy that he's not young. He's not old, so he might be in that sweet spot for the Rockies to possibly convince him to come in and uh, bridge this gap to the next contender in franchise history. Well, and you can look at both sides of this, obviously. On one side of the coin, Mike Clevenger's proven that in the right staff with, with with himself feeling good on the mound, I mean, he could be arguably a team's ace at his best. I mean, that's really how good he showed, especially in Cleveland. That's where I think you really saw that. But then you think, well, he's had a second Tommy John since then. He was investigated by Major League Baseball for domestic abuse. And so I just think, I I, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I, love, I love his profile as a pitcher and what he could bring. Um, but knowing the Rockies, I think that that latter point about the domestic violence, I think that may be a uh, an eliminator. And for a lot of fans, I think they look at that and say, I love that I can root for an organization that actively chooses to really not bring in these type of guys. Or you could look at the other side of the coin and say, well, I, I don't know, maybe maybe guys do deserve second chances. I mean, whatever whatever side of that coin you're on, I'm of the opinion that as an organization, the fewer people that you have that have those problems, the better. Um, but, you know, it's – I don't know. Maybe this is a guy they overlook it for. I mean, the, once upon a time, they did trade for Jose Reyes. Um, so it's it's not like they've never brought someone on that has a little bit of something going on in the background. Yeah, they are loyal to a fault, but they are loyal for their guys. Clevenger's not yep. one of their guys. If they want to make him one of their guys – well, now all of a sudden, all right, let's see how loyal you're going to be. I, I think you're right. I think, you know, again, if you're looking at the player, if you're looking at the statistics, I think there is a fit, a four-year, $60 million deal, maybe even more than that, as wild as that might seem for a guy that uh, has his best years behind him uh, and, and the track record, you know, again, hasn't been as favorable with the Tommy John surgery the second time. Uh, but are the Rockies going to go out and and spend that kind of money, especially with not having a TV deal right now. So that's that's a big story, I think, for a lot of teams right now. In fact, there was just news that broke uh, yesterday that uh, two teams uh, for Diamond Sports Group, they're, they're on the outs. Uh, they, they will no longer uh, be broadcasting those games. It was uh, the Giant, uh, the, the Rangers were one of those teams. So um, it, it, a lot is, is up in the air. You talk about the, the loyalty for the Rockies guys. They added four players to the 40-man roster they're young dudes. They're young dudes, um, and the, most of them really only touched on AA last year. So I think if we're going to see any of those guys in the majors and at Coors Field in 2024, it'll be later in the year. You got Juan Mejia, who made the Fall Stars team as a reliever. Angel Chavi, similar kind of story uh, as a Juan Mejia. A little bit more overlooked uh, than, than a Juan Mejia, who at least got to play in the uh, the Arizona Fall League. Adiel Amador and Yankee El Fernandez. Uh, of those guys, I mean— 
which one jumps out of you either for the talent or uh, for the surprise? Like, hey, you know what? Don't sleep on this guy. He's, he's been overlooked a bit. Yang, well, Yankeel Fernandez is the one that instantly pops out to me, but that's because of what we saw from the existing outfield last year. And I, to clarify, it's when you have a Nolan Jones set the franchise record in outfield assists, you have Brenton Doyle win the gold glove in center field. Yankeel Fernandez brings some of those traits to the field as well. The, the yes. guy has a cannon. And so if you put, I mean, and we talk, we were thinking about nicknames in the press box. I mean, there were jokes. It's the Coors Field Cannons, the Blake Street Bazookas, whatever it may be. <laughs> they very well may have the best fielding and arm strength outfield, maybe in franchise history and almost certainly in the league if they have those three. I mean, it, take out hitting, take out those things. That to me is very exciting. But as far as just what they could change about the makeup of your lineup, I mean, Adael Amador is a guy that is a switch hitter and has a little bit of power, has a little bit of has a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I think that's a huge impact on the lineup. I mean, that was what always made me so excited about, you know, the prospects of Michael Tolia is switch hitters when they're really good are so valuable for a lineup. I mean, they're so hard to recreate that edge of, never having to go against a bad pitching matchup as far as your platoon typically goes. Um, so as far as impact, I think having a switch hitting infielder would be amazing for them, especially if he can show at the plate more of that power. Um, but selfishly, seeing those arms and that defense in the outfield makes me very excited for Fernandez. Yeah, when you get hurt, Bacchus and Chanker is here to help. Give them a call, 222-2222, all Troy Tulowitzki's. Consult with them for free. They'll work on your case for free. They'll take it to court if they need to, whatever it is. They don't see a dime until you do, and their clients have won over $1 billion over the past 25 years with their 100 folks on staff, 30 lawyers. They're amazing. They've got neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Good stuff from them. Backus and Shanker, they win. 2-2-2, Yeah, Amador is almost a switch hitting Jose Altuve, perhaps. And again, is, is he going to reach 30 home runs? Uh, on a, a consistent basis, that that remains to be seen. We'll kind of wait and see what happens. But he's another reason why, as as you mentioned, and and a lot of folks have mentioned, eh, Brendan Rodgers is is he a trade chip? Is is it Ryan McMahon? And you're able to slide some pieces around, but you've got a lot of this middle infield depth with with Ezekiel Tovar locked in at shortstop mm-hmm. could allow you to get creative with the uh, with the emergence of a guy like uh, Adiel Amador who has that that power that has that speed. Fernandez, man, just just so exciting, um, doing a good job right now in inner winter league, uh, doing his thing. Was great in his first eleven games at Double A, five homers, ten RBI, and then after that. That adjustment, that's the big jump from high A to double A. Struggled after that point, only batted 194 with three homers and 15 RBI in his final 45 games at double A. Uh, the relievers, I think Juan Mejia is more of a finished product than Angel Chavi, who you know just, just throws absolute cheddar there, was a closer. Um, in, in 2022, you probably, if you follow us on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies, you saw what Stephen Rice had to say about him last offseason. Don't sleep on Angel Chavi. Uh, Jeff Hartlieb signed a minor league contract. Want to point out him, a 29-year-old righty reliever. Parts of four seasons in the majors with Pittsburgh, Mets, and the Marlins. Walk rate a bit higher than you'd like, so we'll kind of wait and see uh, what what happens with him in general. But Rockies, uh, of the three rookies that they had this past year, Luke, Tovar, Brent Doyle, and Nolan Jones, who do you think is going to be better in 2024 how about that for a question who's going to be better amongst the rockies rookies 
Jones, Tovar, and Doyle in 2024. Who's going to be better? Well, and the fact that we're even talking about it has to be somewhat exciting for fans, I would think, to say, wow, there's this open competition yeah. between these three. But and, and I think me and Denver Post, Patrick Saunders, I think we're both on the same board of Nolan Jones is going to be a superstar. And I, I you know, I, whether that's a Nolan Arenado level superstar, I think is really hard to project. But he just, the makeup, the the power, the arm, the he has everything that you would put if you created a player in a video game. And I just, I think that his work ethic and the way he sees the game, it's, he's one of those guys where if he hits two home runs, but they lose, you talk to him in the clubhouse and he's as down as he'll ever be. I mean, he, he cares about getting better. He cares about, and I just think, I think he's not going to settle for anything less than being a superstar. And that's what makes me think that, that he's going to be, if if it's Tovar, wouldn't be shocked at all, but it's, I I think Nolan Jones is going to be a superstar. And, if that's in 2024, uh, that's that's great for the club. But it's I think within the next five years, you're going to see him transform into a really headline type player. Yeah, I, Rockies fans would would love to to see that happen. Yeah, all right. So Jones is going to be that guy takes another step forward, and really, as long as he's as good as he was in 2023, that I feel like is a step forward for a lot of guys. Who it's typical to see that sophomore slump. So as long as he can kind of avoid that. That's huge to say, no, 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 we can rely on this guy for 30 homers, maybe 90, maybe 100 RBI. It'll be fun to watch him over 162 next season. I also wanted to float something by you. What are your thoughts on this? So we talked about the Diamond Sports Group, uh, you know, cutting ties with the Rangers as well as the Cleveland Guardians. We know the Rockies have a, a bit of an issue right now, $57 million that they will not be getting from AT&T Sportsnet, Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, what, what, what will go on with their with their finances. That could be a big question for a lot of teams, a lot of clubs who have their broadcasting fees kind of in limbo. What do they do next, right? Are they going to have to cut payroll? And the Rangers were reportedly getting $111 million annually from Diamond Sports Group. If they've got to cut some costs, you think John Gray comes back to the Colorado Rockies? I I think I think of all the guys that have kind of suffered suffered in quotes that fate of hey you know the the Trevor stories the John Grays the all those type of situations I think John Gray would actually be one of the most likely to say I'd love to go back to Colorado he he didn't mind it here I it's funny I actually had a family member sell him an RV he's he's an outdoors guy a little bit he's 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 a he he I I would personally selfishly i would love for john gray to come back because he's one of my favorite interviews of all time um but yeah i i know john gray doesn't hate denver and if they need to cut payroll you know uh, baseball and finances get very weird you never know this is why people tune into the dnvr rockies podcast because you will learn such things as John Gray owns an RV. Like, again, and this is why I had you on. Because you said you had a big <laughs> scoop for me that you wanted to break down. You have delivered, my friend. You have delivered. Well, so, and the story gets funnier. I get, and this is all, you know, the story I was told. Apparently, it was purchased, and it was sold back a couple weeks later when he found out he was going to Texas. So, he actually, I, I believe, took a pretty big loss on an RV here at uh, at Camping World. So, you know, maybe maybe that sours him on Denver a little bit. I don't know. 
former RV owner, John Gray. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, tonight we got MVP uh, before we get out of here. Acuna Jr., Betts, Freeman, Otani, Seager, Simeon. Do we have another pair of unanimous winners in the AL and the NL? Acuna Jr., Otani, is it going to be unanimous? I think it should be. Um, I know people like to go in different directions, though, and I know how much how enticing it can be to vote for Dodgers. But personally, I think it's pretty inarguable in both. I don't see how you make arguments for the other two. But it's everyone's got their own opinion. So I, I think they should be. I don't think either of them will be. I, I just don't think that that's how it's going to work out, surprisingly. Sam, I think it'll be unanimous. Uh, we had a unanimous winner in the American League for the Cy Young Award. Garrett Cole uh, winning uh, his first, actually, believe it or not, uh, as a ball player, doing it with the Yankees. Second was Sonny Gray. And third, Kevin Gaussman of Grandview High School in Aurora. Mm -hmm. Anybody in your family ever sell a, uh, a, a, a an RV to uh, that Colorado native? No, but I know that Ty Block has the same pitching coach I had in high school. So I guess that's probably the best I can do as far as local pitchers go. We'll take it. We'll take it. I love that stuff. In the National League, it was Blake Snell, first place on 28 of 30 ballots. Second place, Logan Webb, third, Zach Gallen. So Snell, now the first Cy Young Award winner to become a free agent after winning the Cy Young Award since Justin Verlander last year. In fact, this is the fourth year in a row that it's happened. Uh, Snell, Verlander. Robbie Ray back in 2021. Remember him? Uh, and then Trevor Bauer in 2020. Uh, Blake Snell now the seventh pitcher in uh, baseball history to win the Cy Young Award in both leagues. Follows uh, behind Max Scherzer, Roy Halladay, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez. And the very first, Gaylord Perry. Started a season one and six. First time ever Ooh. guy had uh, won a Cy Young Award after being five games under 500. And John Heyman reporting now this is some you broke some big news today with John Gray and the the RV slash not RV, mm -hmm. uh, but John Heyman said the Padres, Giants, and Dodgers are interested in Snell. Who to thunk it? They that these teams who need pitching would be interested mm -hmm. in the National League Cy Young Award winner. Wild stuff, huh? Well, and there's all these stats you're bringing up. The one that stands out most to me is when's the last time a guy won a Cy Young while leading the majors in walks? Yes. I mean that. That, in That's some wild. ways, I, I think people have used it as a way to cheapen him as a, how, how, how could you win a Cy Young when you walked it? To me, his numbers are even more impressive. The fact that he gave up that many free passes and still had an ERA that was sub two, I think, for like the last two thirds of the season, that is, that's unheard of. That's unbelievable. So in some ways, people are using it to cheapen it, but I thought Blake Snell was the easy pick. And it was partially because I think if you're able to work around that, man, are you an effective pitcher to be able to work around that type of traffic. And there's some luck that goes into it. That's why we've got, you know, FIP, we've got fielding independent pitching, mm -hmm. basically taking the defense out of it altogether. Because, hey, if, you got, if you've got Nolan Jones, Brenton Doyle, and Yankee Fernandez in the outfield, Gold Glove finalist in, in Tovar and Ryan McMahon on the left side of the infield, a former Gold Glove Award winner in 2022 at second base in Brennan Rogers. Right. If you if you can have that cast behind you, that's gonna make up for a lot of those runners on base and you're gonna get out of jams. I don't think Snell necessarily had that. Uh, with the Padres, Trent Grissom is pretty good. Fernando Tatis Jr., of course, the platinum gold glove award winner. But to your point, you know, he was able to work out of those jams. Did have a three, four, four FIP. And, you know, his overall ERA was 225, but that's not that high. That's not a terribly high fit. So, again, did get some luck, but as you pointed out, you know, he was able to get out of those jams. Some guys are just better at that than others. 
And a lot of players, I think, if you ask them, will tell you Blake Snell is one of their least favorite guys to face. And I think that usually says a lot. When when a Major League Baseball player who has to have the utmost confidence just to make it in a sport, when they say that they're worried about another pitcher, that tells you almost everything you need to know because that that means that they're they think that that guy is just as good of just as good if not better than them and you got to have quite a bit of confidence to play in the majors so it's it's credit to credit to him I, I he's one of my favorites to watch I actually really enjoy Blake Snell um so I I was I was kind of su- not surprised but happy to see that it happened. Yeah, well, I, I teased something about Otani, so I should say that before we get out of here. Uh, all seven players that got the qualifying offer of $20.325 million, that number, as strange as it may be, is just the average of the highest 125 salaries in Major League Baseball. All seven turned it down. Snell, Josh Hader, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Sonny Gray, Aaron Nola, and of course, Shohei Otani. Jeff Passan reported that Otani may want to sign ahead of the winter meetings, uh, which starts out in Nashville. Uh, on December 4th, which, again, once he goes, the rest of, I think, baseball can figure mm-hmm. out uh, what their roster is going to look like. So that's kind of nice. He's doing uh, major service to the entire baseball community by getting that done. And uh, Passon also says that, uh, basically, why isn't there more confirmed talk of Otani meeting with teams and front office personnel? Well, apparently, Otani and his camp do not want this to get too crazy. Uh, Passon mm-hmm. said that if word of a sit-down with Otani is made public, quote, it will be held against the team. That's interesting. And uh, you know there's some front offices that are going to really struggle with that rule because there are some <laughs> front offices that say, look at me, look at me, look at me. Every time they can leak something that maybe sheds them in a positive light, they're going to leak it. Some organizations are just like that. So that that rule might actually be hard for some, and I wouldn't – I wouldn't be surprised if it eliminates a team or two because I think some teams will – they won't necessarily be testing it, but they'll uh, they'll say, yeah, sure, you'll, sure you won't sign here if we leak it. They'll leak it. They'll get the credit for it. They'll lose out on the free agent, and then I guess you can ask who's laughing then. But I, I love it. I Everything about Otani I've loved since he came and him wanting to keep all this off the radar, I, I love that too. I, I don't think it needs to be a circus, and I think – you pick the best team for you and you and you commit and you go for it. I it doesn't always have to be a circus. Luke, I appreciate you joining me today. You're one of those journalists that does other things besides just one sport, besides baseball. You're out there covering CSU Rams and whatnot. Go ahead and plug away uh, where folks can find your stuff, Twitter, social media, websites, all that. It's your time. Go for it. So, yeah, I mean, at Luke Zalman on Twitter, it's it's with a Z, so you're not going to find many others of me. Um, but, yeah, it's right now I'm, I'm switching, doing a little, bit of, a little bit of Colorado School of Mines football coverage. So I'll be out at practice today. I'll be covering them through the playoffs. That should be fun. And, yeah, it's just keep checking back because just about every week it seems like I'm covering a different team now. So if, if you want to see how I uh, use – I guess my writing skills in quotes, um, you, you could check it out on a bunch of different sports right now. That's it. I love it. I love it. I'm always doing that, checking it out myself. Make sure you're checking us out on Twitter or X as it's sometimes known, uh, at DNVR underscore Rockies head shake from at Tiffany underscore Dano. I'm at Patrick D lions on the X machine. Uh, appreciate you giving us this momentum Luke, but unfortunately, uh, your momentum is only as good as your next show. Thankfully, it's going to be a good one. Susie, 4 p.m. right here on the DNVR Sports Channel, live on YouTube.
Like the mayor, 